0: About the resurrection is always a wonderful chapter to read. It's also the chapter I had in my notes, but it wasn't the chapter I wanted. It's actually chapter 21. So it wasn't, wasn't one word uh, I, I, I wasn't paying attention about halfway through. I'm like, this isn't the right chapter. And then I, and I looked at my notes and said, John, yeah, John 20. Uh, so uh, that's okay. It's not Easter, but it's so okay to remember the resurrection. So we are actually in the next chapter, John chapter 21. And verse 1, that's okay, because we're going to be going through most of the chapter anyway, so you guys can get at least two chapters of Bible reading in this week. So, verse 1, I'm just kidding with you. It says, And after these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. And so, I've heard it preached many times, and I tend to agree with it and believe it's true, that when Peter made that statement there, I go a-fishing, he's basically announcing to the disciples, I'm going back to my old occupation. Is pretty much what he was saying. Right there, Peter was without a doubt very discouraged during this time. I mean, a lot's happened in recent dates. This was uh, you know, Peter cuz think about this too. While, you know, when we look at the story, it's like, what's Peter discouraged about? Jesus rose from the dead. But understand too, we get what the resurrection is all about. Peter does not still does not fully understand what's going on yet. They still don't complete they still don't completely get it, and it's really important that we kind of try to put ourselves in the mindset of Peter and understanding what he knew during that time and understanding the things that he didn't know. But this was a confusing time for him. And so he did, he's basically deciding I'm going back to my old occupation of being a fisherman. And then these other, other disciples said, you know what, we're going with you. And this was not a necessarily good statement. But it says in verse four, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now, now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Now, if this story sounds a little familiar, it is for a reason, because the same thing happened in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And what I want to do right now, too, as as we kind of go through this story, all right? I know uh we are this is 21st century we're all media minded people but you're gonna have to listen to me talk but if i could put a picture in your head like a movie i want you to visualize like you're watching a tv show or a movie and you're seeing peter and the other disciples fishing after the resurrection they're not catching anything they see a man they don't realize it's jesus he tells them have you caught anything they said no and he says cast the net onto the other side and then uh, what i want you to do is in your mind i want you to picture On that movie, a flashback moment. You know how they often do that on movies where they'll like go back in time and then they'll play another moment? Well, I want you to picture that in your head as we do a flashback here in the Scriptures. Go to Luke chapter 5, in verse 3. And it says, "...and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, "...launch out into the deep, and let down your nets..." for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing; nevertheless at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake, and they beckoned unto the partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them, and they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. And so I want you to picture after they have that flashback where it goes back to a very similar event where Peter first meets up with Jesus and he uh, listens to what he says about going and casting out one more time, even though as an experienced fisherman he knew, you know, we're, we're not going to catch anything, but you know what? Because you said so, I'm going to do it. And then all of a sudden now we're back into present time after the resurrection. And then all of a sudden Peter, when they catch those fish, he looks back at that guy and all of a sudden he's like, he knows who it is. I remember the last time something just like this happened. And all of a sudden, Peter now understands who it was that called out to him. And it says in verse 7 there, because understand too, while Jesus has risen from the dead, he's only made two other appearances to them. He's not been just staying with them. There's just been appearances that have taken place with the disciples. And so he's coming, he'll say a few things, he'll go. They're confused. They don't know what's going on. They don't understand the significance of the resurrection and everything that has taken place yet at this point. And so in verse 7 of John 21, it says, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And notice Peter's embarrassing state that he's in when Jesus shows up. Which might have caused another flashback. I want you to pick. So Peter, all of a sudden, he's like embarrassed because he's not wearing enough clothes. He puts his fisher's coat on him. He jumps into the sea. I think part of that too is he was going. He was he wanted, He was anxious to get to Jesus. He wasn't going to wait for the boat. It probably would have taken a while to get it back. So he he was anxious to get there. But again, I I think there's clearly some shame here that we see, which causes another flashback. Let's flash back again to three and a half years earlier. And when it says in Luke five, eight, when Simon Peter saw it, after they catch all those fish, he fell down at Jesus knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And after three and a half years, after he's walked with Christ, what does Jesus find Peter doing? You know what he finds? He finds him right back where he started. He was right back where he started. He's, He's back to fishing. He's, he's in, he's in a shameful state. Peter was embarrassed the first time he was in the presence of Christ. Here he's embarrassed again the second time or at at the end of his ministry when he's in a similar situation after receiving a great blessing from Jesus Christ. And so, without a doubt, we see this throughout the Gospels. Peter was a man with some serious problems. We see it in the beginning. We see it during Jesus' ministry. And we even see it here after the resurrection. Peter's still having issues. Peter's still having problems. In verse 8, And the other disciples came in a little ship, For they were not far from the land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw the fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord, and right there is another proof that they were all Baptists because they got together and they said, "Come and dine." So that's just uh, for for all them other uh, religions out there. It's a, one you can have it in your pocket for next time. But anyway, verse thirteen. Then cometh Je- then Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. And, this, and it says this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after that he was risen from. The dead. So three times. Now, Jesus has appeared to disciples, but they, they still don't fully understand what they're, what's going on. They still don't fully understand what they're supposed to do. The go ye into all the world has not been given yet, at this point. So they're in, so they're in a, they're in a weird situation, because think about it. Three years earlier, they had forsaken all. They left their nets to go follow after Christ and be fishers of men. But now, they're that last week of Jesus' life, was a pretty difficult week. They didn't even want to go to Jerusalem, because like, if you go to Jerusalem, you're gonna die and we're all gonna die. That's what they were saying. And then what happens? They go to Jerusalem. They're thinking, in their mind, Jesus is gonna set up his kingdom. They're gonna rule with him there during that time. They've got all these expectations in their mind. But what happens? They get there. Jesus is rejected of the Jews. He's arrested. Peter tries to help for a little bit and tries to c- cut off uh, the head of a soldier. gets his ear. And then Jesus goes and heals the man's ear, tells Peter, put away your sword. They that take the sword are going to perish with the sword. Peter then goes on, follows Jesus afar off. Three times he denied Christ after he told him he wouldn't. Nothing went the way Peter thought it was going to go. Absolutely nothing went the way Peter. When Jesus originally told Peter, I'm going to be delivered in the hands of sinful men and I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to rise three days later, Peter began to... He took Jesus and began to rebuke him. And Jesus had to tell Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. Peter had all kinds of problems. Things didn't really go the way peter wanted to so you can imagine too after the resurrection when they when when the angel told the women go tell the disciples and peter have you ever thought about that wouldn't peter be included in the disciples but you know what maybe peter was thinking i'm not included in the disciples i mean i denied christ three times i'm done for i'm the one that jesus called satan but you know what god, god wasn't done with peter and, and here in the story too, even though Peter is kind of right back where he started, God's still not done with Peter. God still has something that He, that he wants to take place with Peter. Peter. Peter's messed up a lot. Verse 15 says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had asked him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And there's a lot of speculation about why Jesus asked this three times. Most people think it probably had something to do with Peter denying Jesus three times and he's kind of making up for it. And that is probably true. That is very likely. But at the same time, too, I kind of think Jesus was trying to give Peter another flashback. I think Peter right now is needing to remember something that was very important, something Jesus wanted him to remember. So we've already had these. We've already kind of had these two different moments that we've seen that are very similar to uh, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, when Peter when uh, Peter has forsaken all to go follow after Christ, and here's the next flashback. I think he might have had. And look at Luke chapter five and verse nine. It says, and he was astonished, and all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken, and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men and when they had brought their ships to the land they forsook all and followed him you know what i think jesus was doing right here when he's asking peter lovest thou me more than these and he kept saying feed my sheep feed feed my lambs i think god was trying to remind peter hey peter do you remember what i called you to do peter i said from henceforth that means from here forward you've got a job you're not catching fish anymore you're catching men you know, while, while Peter kind of quit, Jesus says, I'm not done with you, basically. He's, he's still in the same spot. Peter's still a mess. Peter hasn't improved. But yet Jesus said, Peter, I'm not done with you. I, I've, gi- I, not, I've given you something to do. And not only, not only did, was God's call still on Peter's life, but you could say Jesus was even giving him a promotion. Because think about this. What he originally said to me said, From henceforward thou shalt catch men, but now he's saying, Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Shortly later he gives the great commission. Luke twenty two, thirty one, and this is before uh the you know the crucifixion, but it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. You know, Jesus wanted. He not. Jesus didn't just want Peter to be a fisherman, but Jesus also wanted Peter to be a leader and a pillar in his church. And not only did he want him to continue fishing for men, you know what he wanted him to do? He wanted him cleaning them up too. He wanted them making. He wanted him making disciples too. And just like Peter, at one time he was a disciple of Christ, and his orders are just follow Christ, do whatever he says. Jesus goes and he kind of gives him a promotion after Peter's epic failures. After three and a half years of walking with Jesus, Peter finds himself, Jesus finds Peter in pretty much the same state that he was in the beginning. But Jesus goes and he gives him a promotion and basically tells him that I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to feed my lambs. I, w- I still want you to strengthen the brethren. In Matthew 28, 19, after this event we see here in John 21, Jesus speaking to Peter and the other disciples, says, go ye into all the world, Uh, Go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And folks, understand what, what Peter took over. Before, they had Jesus right there to tell them what needs to be done. But we don't have Jesus right here to tell us anymore. Jesus gave those things to the disciples. And it, was the, it became the disciples' responsibility that the things that Jesus was doing, they were to continue. They were to teach other people to do the same thing. And thank God, too, they wrote those things down. And we have them in our New Testament. And we are still following those things today. We are technically Technically, our church is under—if we are following the Bible correctly—we are under apostolic authority because of the fact that we let the Word of God, we let the Scriptures be the final authority. It's supposed to settle everything. And so, yeah, we are under apostolic authority. But I don't believe there's new apostles. I don't believe that at all. I I believe Peter is still an authority over our church. I believe he's a pillar in our church. You know why? We have the books of First and Second Peter that he wrote. We 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 have these things. We have the four Gospels. We have the epistles. Of Paul we have James and don't let anybody tell you just the epistles of Paul are ours. No, it's all ours Okay, all those disciples they all got commissioned to go into all the world not just Paul All the disciples got commissioned to go into all the world And so not only did jesus add to peter's job description But you know what remember what he originally told him he said only go to the lost sheep of the house of israel jesus has expanded and extended his boundaries to the entire world Think about that. Now there's some personal application I want us to make in this too. and and, and, I'm, you know, and I'm going to make some personal application in my life too. And at the same time, I, I, I don't want you to take this as I'm just talking about myself right now because of this, at this you know things that I'm dealing with right now, all of us as a church are dealing with. So while, I, you know, while I'm mainly speaking for myself right now and thoughts and things that I'm feeling and dealing with, uh, I have no doubt many of you are feeling the same way too. And, you know, and, uh, and I hope this will be a help to you because this is, you know, this is something that uh, I'm just preaching for myself as much as anybody else today. But something we need to realize is, like Peter, all of us are going to face times of discouragement. We're going to face times where we feel defeated. We're going to face times where we feel like we're ready to quit. We're going to face times where we feel like we failed. We're going to feel like God's done with us. Peter fell every one of those things. And you know, when we go and we look at Peter's track record, you know, you can make a pretty good case for it, can't you? But for some reason, Jesus wasn't done with Peter. Okay? I, I can't explain that, but Jesus wasn't, he wasn't done with Peter. But, and you know what? We might often feel like we even failed God too, but God's probably not done with us. And the reality is Peter was pretty sorry in the beginning, middle, and end, definitely in the end of Christ's ministry, But remember how those two different times, Jesus caught a multitude of fish at the word of Christ. He also caught a multitude of men at Pentecost when it was God's time. Because think about it. It's only like 50 days later in Acts 2, we have Peter, the same guy. Peter in Acts 2.38, when filled with the Holy Ghost, keep that in mind, when filled with the Holy Ghost, then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you and to your children to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added to them about 3,000 souls. You want to talk about catching a multitude of fish right there, or a a multitude of men. You know what we, you know what we see all of a sudden happening here with the same guy who after three years is right back to where he started, right in the same sorry state that Jesus got, and all of a sudden now when this guy gets filled with the Holy Ghost, he's catching a multitude of men like never before. I mean folks, we're still talking about that catch. We've all got our fish stories. None of us have a fish story like this one right here, or a soul winning story like this one right here. He got 3,000 people saved. What was the difference? Just like the reason he caught that multitude of fishes in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the reason he caught that multitude of fish at the end of Jesus' ministry was because Jesus wanted them to. That was why he did it. He caught those fish because it was, it was God's will. The only reason Peter got three, that wasn't, that you know what? I've studied preaching and I, I did homiletics in college and all that. That wasn't an impressive sermon that we see there in Acts chapter 2, but it was full of power. God was in on it. And as a result of that sermon, three thousand people got saved and launched a movement that we are all still a part of today. That we are still we are still enjoying the effects and the benefits of those things. And let me tell you something. Technically, Peter quit, but thankfully Jesus didn't. And let me tell you something. You know, I have you know every one of us at some point in our life. You know, we you, you sit around and you just imagine what it would be like to just you know go live on an island somewhere and to just to go just quit and just leave everything. And I, I've often thought, you know, what what would the luxury of quitting feel like? I mean, it just, it seems magical, right? But it's just like, but at the same time too, you never really think about quitting. But let me tell you, there was several times this week I just felt like I go fishing. Like that, that was kind of how I felt. You know, I, and the truth is, you know, while we've all had those things cross our minds before, this week was the first time in my life where it ever really gave me a good feeling thinking about quitting where there's been times when you think about stuff like that, my pride won't even let me, you know, because it's like, I don't want to quit. People think I'm a quitter and they'd be right. But at the same time, you know, you you worry about what people think. You know what? I I got to a point. I was like, I don't care. I, I really don't care. You know, this, you know, stuff's not right. Stuff's not fair. I've messed up. It's just like, you know, I I was asking Lord, Lord, I I love preaching, I love studying the Bible, I love teaching, but you know what? And if I just may be fully transparent, sometimes, sometimes I hate pastoring. I just, but it's just it's part of it. I, I don't, I don't particularly enjoy it. And I was thinking about just, man, you know how nice it would be to just go back to being an assistant pastor, and just be the guy that has the pastor's back all the time, and you know. You know, you can always pass things on to him, and just, well, you know, it, it sounded good, it, it 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 felt good, and you know, and, and I don't I don't want to stand here and like talk about how I was trying to beat myself up because I'm not looking for anybody to tell me no, you are, you know, I don't I really don't want to hear that, okay? Because it's just it it doesn't matter, okay? And just just you know, to the people who praise you the most, are usually the ones that stab the you know knife in your back the deepest. So just don't sing the praises all right don't don't do that you'll just make me nervous and I'll be I'll have to watch my back but again um you know you feel that you feel that way you feel like god can't use you. but you know while I kept thinking that line I go fishing I feel like Peter you know deep down you know you don't you don't get to quit you can't quit okay sometimes one of the other worst things about preaching too is when you have to practice what you preach i hate I hate practicing when I preach the hard stuff, anyway. Some things I like. You know, we, we all have the things we preach that we enjoy. You know, but at the same... There's the things that we don't really enjoy. The love your enemy stuff like that. But, you know, too often... You know, we find... Because, you know, here's the thing, too. You know, for, for a couple years, we've just... There's been a negative spirit here. that just been trying to figure out what's going on. Trying to figure out how to fix it. The one really positive thing that we've always had going for us in this church is a very positive spirit i mean you know even when we didn't have that many not you know that many people and not not many ministries and things going on it was always a positive spirit experience sunday is always the best day of the week you know you'd hear pastor talk about just kind of the monday blues and all that kind of stuff and i'm just like man you know sunday is my just my high day you know and you know because they talk you know, and i don't know if you understand what that is but again if I may explain that, in, what, what pastors mean by that is sometimes they just feel like on Sunday they were just fighting a battle the entire day and it's just like the next day they're just nursing their wounds. And th- that's not really been what I've, ha- I've had to deal with here for, you know, for the years. But again, it's just been stuff that's just like, man, we're, you know, you're trying everything. Without a doubt, I mean, I, I've, I, I have worked hard you have worked hard as a church. Without a doubt, our church has been working hard for the last couple of years. We're doing a lot of stuff. We're, we're working really hard. But, you know, too often in life, we find ourselves toiling all the night. Like Peter was. They toiled all the night, but they weren't catching any fish. Toiling all the night because, you know what? They were toiling without Christ. We, if, if, if we want to actually be successful at what we do, we, we need to work but we also need to make sure Christ is with us. We've got to make sure he, we are in God's will. And while a lot of people have written church, written books on church growth, well, I've gone to all the big conferences and I've listened to the preachers Let me tell you how I grew my church. You know, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, God did it. You know, there's no formula. There's no, there's no model and I, you know, I, I've, I've looked into all that stuff. I've tried all that stuff. Every preacher that succeeded, they all have a different story. At the end of the day, what it really comes down to, if you want to find a common den- denominator in all the stories, God got in on it somewhere. That's all there is to it. And that, that is, that is the key. You want to know why Peter caught all those fish? It wasn't because he cast the net on the other side, because that was a better side to fish from. No, it was because Jesus wanted him to cast. the that side. Jesus wanted him to catch a bunch of fish. And when, and when he did that, he succeeded. And let me tell you something. You know, what we've got to make sure we don't do is or is just work without Christ being in on what we're doing. We did. We, we hit a brick wall. We hit a brick wall. And and folks, all the years we've been here, we've been working. All the years we've been here, we've been toiling. The hours have been put in without a doubt. And I would say, too, even the last couple years, far more hours have been put in. But at the same time, it's a brick wall why is that? I th- it's because something, you know, something's wrong. It's because Christ isn't there. Christ isn't, you know, gi- given the orders. Christ isn't the one behind things. And it, we're, you know, folks were wasting our time. You know, there are just, there are just some things that can't work. If we're going to try to go forward, if we're going to try to do things and we're just not going to do it God's way, we are not going to have the Holy spirit present. We are wasting our time. I don't care what we do. We can go, we can all go read the latest books I could go read the books on how to be a perfect pastor. You can read the books on how to be a perfect church member. We can follow those things blindly. If God's not in on it, it won't work. If God's not in on it, it won't work. And so just because without Christ we can do nothing, it doesn't mean we do nothing. That's what a lot of people, I'm just sitting around doing nothing waiting for God to do something. No, that's not how that works. Now you sit around, or you don't sit around, you do whatever you can do, but just try to make sure that Christ is with you. I believe we should always labor and work as hard as we can, but we've got to make sure Jesus is there working with us. Paul said, Philippians 4:13, "I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me." And so sometimes we've got to understand that God might let the fishing get bad, and I and I, to get us to seek for Him. Do you think that the reason? Do you think Jesus might have had something to do with Peter not catching any fish on both of those trips where he caught the multitude? I think, I think Jesus probably had something to do with that. Jesus knew what he wanted to accomplish with Peter. Jesus knew the message he wanted to get across. And I, I, I believe this with all my heart that the reason those fish weren't biting is because Jesus told them to go away somewhere else. And then when Jesus wanted them, wanted them to bite, he told them to come. And when God's will, when it was God's will, they enclosed a multitude of fishes and what we need to do when when these things happen, we have to seek God's face. We have to find out what He wants us to do. We have to check and see: Is He here? Is He here? Because you know, if if we're if we're just looking at numbers of people, that doesn't necessarily mean Jesus is there. Joel Osteen's always going to have more people than we do. You know, if it is, if it's just about activities, events, and all this and that, you know, at the end of the day. You know, if if the spirit's wrong, if the spirit's not right, then it's because there is something wrong. You, you've got to fix this. It's pointless to do these things on our own power. And folks, there are some things we can do in our own power. There are some things we can do in our own power. But as a church, we are called to do so much more than that. Well, we're, and we can't do anything of real significance without God's power. We can start a club. You know, we can fill a building. We can do things like that on our power, but that's not necessarily what we've been called to do. And so the Bible says in Psalm 105, verse 3, glory in his holy name, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord, seek ye the Lord and his strength, seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. And let me tell you something, seeking the Lord, okay? We've got to understand. While while work, labor is important, we shouldn't let anything come before loving Christ, before seeking Christ. We shouldn't even let soul winning come before that. Hey, because if if you're just if you're just soul winning to soul win, it's a good thing. But at the end of the day, aren't we all going to be a lot more effective if Christ is with us? Why is it that we can have weeks where we have, you know, you can have 20 or 30 people go out and one or two or nobody gets saved? You can have another. We can have three or four people go out. and You can have ten people get saved. You know what's the difference? At the end of the day, if God's in on it, it's going to succeed. That that's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. And and so back so back to this story with Peter. So after Jesus basically commissions him, after Jesus tells him, Peter, love us on me more than these. I believe again. I believe part of that's connected to the denial of them three times, that Peter was probably embarrassed about. I mean, without a doubt, Peter was probably embarrassed uh, by that story. But at the same time, I believe Jesus wanted him to remember his calling. And while Peter, without a doubt, got some people saved during that three and a half year ministry with Jesus, you have to wonder what was going on. And I'm, I'm, I'm speculating here, and I'm probably... Technically, you know, I'm probably wrong about what was going through Peter's mind because of the fact that he was filled with the Holy Ghost when this was taking place. But if we can just think about carnal Peter right now, okay? if we can think about carnal, unconverted, not unsaved, but unconverted Peter right now, who it's only been like a month, a little over a month since he's denying Christ since all these things happen, since he even after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus catches him out fishing naked, and you know, he's embarrassed again after all these things. And, and even after Jesus tells him to feed my lamb, sing, we didn't take the time to read it. Even after he tells him all that stuff, Jesus gives him that prophecy, basically telling him he's going to die. And then what does Peter do? He's like, what about John? <laughs> he still hasn't changed yet. And what did Jesus say? If I would that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow me. I told you what to do. Don't you worry about John. Follow me is what he told him to do. So folks, this is Peter. this is, this is still Peter. That same Peter, when all of a sudden on Pentecost, he gets filled with the Holy Ghost, he starts preaching, and I don't know how long he stayed just like, just completely filled with the Holy Ghost, all, all that. But when those 3,000 people started getting saved, as those 3,000 people are getting baptized, if we're watching the movie, you know, and we're, uh, and, you know, picture Peter standing there outside the temple area, preaching to this mu- this multitude of Jews, preaching to thousands of Jews, trying to catch some, always struggling. I mean, they only had 120 people after the ministry of Christ. What do, what do we see, Peter? You know, I can just picture Peter just watching all these people coming forward, watching all these people accepting, believing, watching all these people get baptized. And in his mind, I see two flashbacks going on at the same time of him pulling in the multitude of fishes and and remembering that, you know what? This is my calling. This is my job. I'm a fisher of men. This is who I am. This is what God has called me to do. And even though Peter had a terrible track record, made a lot of big mistakes, we just saw Peter have the best catch of his life, had the biggest success of his life, and let me tell you something. Any of us, we can find ourselves. We're going to find ourselves looking at ourselves like back to where we started. I'm going, I'm going backwards. Uh, I'm, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not learning anything. I'm, I'm still sorry. I'm still pathetic. And we can we can just beat the tar out of ourselves. And it's probably the devil beating the tar out of us. You know, it's it's just it's it's the devil influencing us. Well. We we can tell ourselves all these things. We can feel all these ways. But just understand that if you're still saved, and we do believe in eternal security here, that you do have a call in your life to be a fisher of men. And without a doubt, I know I have a call in my life to be a fisher of men. I know I have a call of my life to pastor this church. I know that's what God I know that's what God wants me to do. And even though, especially this week, there were times I just it's just like, why? Just you know, why in the world are you going to use me? You know, I look at this story and it's just like you know what? I, I believe that if I can just get over myself, I believe as a church if we can just get over ourselves, if we can get our eyes on Christ I believe we can have the biggest catch that we've ever had. I I, I know that's the case. I've 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 experienced. I've been there in churches that have dealt with splits, and it stinks, man, it stinks. But you know what? They've gone on to become better than ever. Yeah, you hate seeing the casualties. You hate seeing it. You hate seeing the hurt. It kills you, especially as a pastor too, because again, you know, you're kind of responsible. You, you feel like you caused it, you know. You you, know, you feel like everything's your fault. It's it's embarrassing. It's humiliating. But you know, I'm I'm just gonna say right now, I add, because, you know, there's no point in not being, uh, you know, having any pride and putting it out there. But you know, we're dealing with a church split right now. We might as well just admit it, and it stinks. And you know what? I I just decided this week like, you know, I'm not going to worry about saving face or anything like that. I, t- I texted, and I've I, I got to be careful saying every, because I could have missed somebody, but I, I went through my phone, and godly pastors that I know care about me, I, I t- text them, uh, let them, let them know. I need your prayers today. Our church needs your prayers. We're dealing with our first church split that we've ever had, and, and it stinks. And you know what? I'm, I'm thankful for, I'm thankful that you know many of them uh, reached out to me, just reminding me of something I always knew. Part of pastoring a church, you know, we, we've all dealt with it. It stinks. It, it never feels good, but at the same time, too, you know, they're all giving me their stories about their multitude of fish they're kept catching. Later on, the great things that God has done, and I know that you know we're still kind of in the middle of some of the the battle and things and there's, you know, foolishness going on and uh drama attempting to be made and things like that. But you know what uh some of that's going to hurt. Some of it, some of it's going to hurt, but I'm I'm 100% confident. And this is this is what I had several pastors tell me too. They said if if your people will endure this. And they said and many might fall out and flop out because Stuff like this stinks they said they said, if they'll endure this, this will strengthen them like they've never been strengthened, and you, you will have way better church members than you had before in in, in all of you is what they said it, it, it will do that, it will strengthen their faith and and you know I know that okay I, I know that's true, I also know. That God is going to do great and better things. I know that one day we're going to look back at this and be like, man, God was just taking care of some things that needed taken care of. I, I, I know that because just like you know, every pastor I've ever known has dealt with church splits, they've all seen the other side of this too. Okay? I, 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 you know, I, I know that for sure, but at the same time, you know, I'm not, I don't know where everyone else is. I don't know where your heart is. You know, with my children... I don't know, you know. They've not seen that. They've not seen this yet, but they need to, and that's that's why I I did the most I think effective thing I could do is I got godly people. We got we've got a lot of people praying for our church today, and I told them I said I you know. I've got faith, but God, God has to do something, and if He does, it's going to be good, and He, and he is. I just don't know when. You know, I, I wish I had all the answers. I wish I could just get up here and tell you, uh, th- this is how it's going to play out. We're going to we're going to go through this. We're going to get our spirit back, and the Lord's going to start doing things, uh, th- th- and, and it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. I just, I just, I just hope there's no uh, other casualties in the meantime. And so, um, I'm just here today to say, while this week I was thinking, I go fishing. Right now, I say, I go fishing, but I'm going fishing for men. I was, I'm, I'm going, God is, God's not done with me. I don't believe he's done with you. And if God could do even greater things with Peter after after all that, I think, he, I think He can do the same thing. I know He can do the same thing with us. And so, with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank You so much for the comfort we can get from Your Word. And Lord, I thank You for the comfort that can only come from the Holy Spirit. And Lord, if we could get a double portion today, that would... It's absolutely necessary, and as a pastor, you don't you don't ever want people to see uh, weakness or vulnerability or anything like that. But uh, may, maybe maybe that's what we need, so our church can figure out it isn't even about me anyway. It's about you, and so Lord, uh, I pray that through all these things that. Um, Maybe the church will look less at me and look more at you. And Lord, we, we look forward to seeing what you're going to do. And I, I pray we'll have the patience to uh, allow things to uh, play out in your timeline and in your way and not our way. Help us to have that patience. In your name we pray.